0: So today I am joined with Deborah Silverman, who is going to be our guest today. And we're going to be talking about her book, The Missing Element, Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. Deborah is part comedian, part psychologist, part astrologer, and all real. She helps people turn on their own inner observer to see things they say and do in a totally objective way. Debra has been in private practice for over 40 years, and she uses astrology and her own system called the Four Elements as tools to help people step into their power. Hi, Debra. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you got into astrology and working with the elements. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about your story? How I got into it? Um,
1: Let's see. It started way back when. (laughs) Uh, I was first introduced to astrology when I was a child. I then was introduced to an amazing woman when I was in my early 20s who was an astrologer. And with by circumstances, we ended up in a car for three days driving across Canada. And I kind of insisted on her teaching me astrology, which she did until I drove her crazy because I'm an (laughs) auditory learner. And I just wanted her to keep talking. She was like, can't you read a book? And I was like, no, just keep talking. And then by the time I was done, it was my only teacher in this life, Um, I was doing readings. And it was kind of like if you would have had a kid who sat down at the piano and started playing before they had the teacher. That's what happened with me with astrology. It was like a recapitulation, a a remembering. And here it is about 40,000 years later. And I am teaching astrology to numbers of people. And it all happened by it's one of those faded stories that you can't really explain. But it certainly is evidence that I came with a memory.
0: (laughs) Right. And can you talk a little bit more about the astrology that you do? Because I'm beginning to learn as I'm speaking to more astrologists that there's different types of astrology um, and different ways that the chart can be read. And so what type of astrology do you actually use? I do the old fashioned, I don't do all the new
1: finangles. Mine it's, it's, Placidus. It's every time you go to get a chart done on any computer, they'll use my the original system called Placidus. It's not, I mean, there's the Vedic system, which is a whole other one. There's different house systems. They're all the new finangled ones. I'm very old fashioned in my simplicity of it. And when I teach, and how I apply it is very simple. I get, you know, I'm one of those people that I don't like, spirit. I call it spiritual spiritual like too many words and too much theory and too much abstraction and your seventh house and your Venus is in conjunction your moon, which is opposite your Mars, which isn't, like, no, just tell me if I'm going to fall in love or not. Like, can you give me some information here? Like, you know, all that woo-woo stuff, it, at a certain point, I've never been interested unless it has feet and it's practical and I can actually apply it and I can make my body healthier or my partner better or my kids happier so i do a very simple practical astrology and that's what i teach so that's why i have a school where i'm i'm really watching all these particularly women getting a new career because they're learning how to do it and it's not as complicated as most astrologers would have you think
0: Right. Yeah, and I would agree. I mean, I've had my birth chart read um in a couple of different ways by a couple of different astrologers over the years. And um, you know, it's fun to listen to astrologists give you your reading, but exactly what you said, like, okay, Venus is in this house, and unless you really have you've been studying it yourself and understand and have the different houses memorized, and what does Venus mean in this house, it almost sounds like a foreign language to me. And, you know, and then what you take away from the reading is more of the concepts, like you said, like, okay, so I'm somebody might be coming into my life at age 48 you know and that's what you remember as opposed to all the other stuff unless you're you've studied it yeah it's the practical and and not a real astrologer
1: can predict the possibilities of relationship it just happened recently where I I guess I had told somebody there's but the real issue with astrology is the psychological Carl Jung was quoted to say psychology will be a dinosaur science until it includes astrology and so if you can use the psychological angle of astrology and be able to understand who you are, what your purpose is, the timing, it's less about the others in your world. It's more about really coming to peace, accepting your quirky personality and everyone's got one. <laughs> Raise your hand if you yeah. have a quirky personality. Oh look, everyone's raising their hand.
0: Hmm. Well, and the one question that um, I always, always have about astrology. I'm always fascinated about how really accurate it is. And then there's like a part of it that freaks me out a little bit, because then I start questioning, well, is everything really predestined? Or do I truly have free will? And, uh, you know, sometimes I, I subscribe to a certain app, and it will say, well, the signs in your chart have shifted a bit. So I'm like, how do I work with the planets if I know that there's are certain areas where there's a little bit of trouble in my chart? And am I kind of doomed with the planets just being who they are, what they are, and where they, where they are in the universe. Um, so it brings me to like all of these different questions. I don't know if you can answer any of those for me. Well, the short answer, this is, this is
1: classical what happens to air people, which I bet you are. In the head, we go off in 45 directions. We confuse ourselves. We ask a few more questions. We consult others. They get us confused. And at the end of the story, we're left without the answer. The astrology is so far, it's so much simpler than that. It's a suggestion, and if you feel it validated, in all the sessions I do, and all the people that I teach to do readings, the accuracy is astounding, because I'm really looking at some simple topics, like when are the times you're gonna change? They're so predictable. It's seven-year-ish, it's called. It's Saturn, and it's not, you know, that's you, your question was so great. I'm getting lost in my head. Do I have free will or don't I have free will? Do the planets influence me? Don't they influence me? Is there more than one system? Now I'm really confused. <laughs> And it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. It's as ancient. This is the oldest science on earth. It's very simple when brought to its knees, which is back to what Carl Jung said: using it as a psychological tool to assist you to understand who you are now. All those variations, all those different ideas—is there free will? The only free will that I can establish is what you do with your head, like right now. The the point of view that you have. You can't decide the kind of body type you're going to get or the dog you were going to get when you were a kid or the siblings you were going to get or the parents. That was all assignments. I I hate when people in the new age say, you chose your parents. Like, really? I sat at a board and there was my mom and dad and I picked them. No, that's not how it went. There's There's a karmic mystery here. It's unfathomable. We can't understand it. What we can do is use our mind to accept and fall in love with our fate. And once that becomes your practice, how do I accept what is? That's the first step. So my husband was an idiot. I divorced him. I'm pissed off. And then I go, oh, well, that was my teaching. That was my teacher. He's the guy that helped me learn how to say I'm sorry or helped me learn how to walk away or helped me learn how to choose again. And I'm not going to shut my heart down and make some kind of conclusion about that. I'm going to use my free will. My only thing I have is between my ears to choose again, a rewrite, a new narrative. So in the end, it isn't, I mean, there are faded circumstances that we don't get free will about. Look at the hair color you have. You can try and dye it. It'll come back. Look at your body type. You can go on a diet. Likely it's going to come back. Look at your, you know, your family, your parents, your brothers, they aren't going away. You can walk away, but they're in your psyche. They're in your bloodline. And as soon as you learn to accept these things with, with, gratitude and the lesson becomes clear life changes in about 15 minutes so cool
0: yeah. So you mentioned um, in moving more into speaking about the elements that, you know, I had all these questions in my head and you said, oh, you might be and you might be air and you're thinker. And as I was going through your book, I had some questions about what element could I be? Because uh, so I'm an Aries with Leo rising. So I know Aries is a fire sign. Leo is a fire sign. And I definitely identify a lot with fire, um, probably even more so when I was younger. Um, but I can also see where I do fall into the air because I'm a mental health therapist and I definitely analyze people and you know do think a lot I enjoy watching people ask and here I am a podcast host I love asking questions so I could definitely see some element of air within me and then you know moving as I get older a little bit more into earth and water can still be a little bit of a challenge for me personally but um so how do we know exactly well maybe the question better is can we move in and out of these different elements and I do want you to talk about what each element is, but um do you find that most people in different times of their life can be more of one element and then move into a different element uh throughout their lifetime? Definitely. Um I think what you're asking is
1: how do we grow?
0: Is that what you're asking? Yeah well I'm just I'm just curious like as I was going over the different elements and maybe that's, that would be the best place to start. If you can explain the element of water, the element of earth, air, and fire um, that I have found that I see myself um, in all of these different qualities. And then looking back, you know, 20 years ago, like I said, I could have been more of that fire, but now I'm moving more into air and earth um, and still have some fire there, but it might not be as, as prominent.
1: So let's go through them. So water is sensitivity, compassion, quiet, meditation, um, sensitivity of wanting to be alone, wanting to be internal, loving animals and being at home and being cuddly and nonverbal. That's the water element. And it profoundly affects those that are creative and those that know how to um, <clears throat> Sorry, teach and feel the depths of their inner world. So anyone that's hungry for being quiet, being alone, being creative, poetry, cooking, anything that requires alone time. Those are Pisces people. Sorry, water people. It's funny because the sun's in Pisces today. <clears throat> and then the next category is air. They're talking, they're thinking, they're on podcasts, they're on the internet, they're reading books, they're writing books, they're learning things, they're asking questions, <clears throat> they're the analyzers. And they have this huge appetite for people. They love being around people. It's just That's like their fascination is staring at people and listening. The water person's like, can they go now? Can we go home and be alone? Can you turn off all the noise? And the air people are like, turn up the volume and bring the people in. We want to talk. The earth people are grounded and practical and they're good at numbers and spreadsheets and taxes and cleaning and organizing and making sure everything's in its place and doing, you know, all the practical requirements of consistency and loyalty and stability and schedules and timing. So they're very stable. And they could be a little boring, this understood to be boring, when really they're just as grounded as a tree earth and then the fire people are like oh my god we're having so much fun they're so excited they're so enthusiastic they get they want to jump up and down and they have a million ideas and <clears throat> they're physical and they're athletic and they're passionate that they can't sit still and they are the kid that gets in trouble all the time because they're always going so excited i'm so excited so what we have here is four personality types the goal of the game is to be competent in all four of them that's called four wheels in a car, like if you imagine a car, and if one of the wheels are down, it goes off, but if all four wheels are operating, so to your point, yes, you come in as a child with a propensity, always the rising sign is the childlike energy, it starts off, you're in your soul, your rising sign is the soul, that shows up when you're really young, as you get older, your ego kind of takes over and starts to make you want to be accepted, but as a kid, you're just free to be your your higher self then your ego steps in. And then as the years go by, we grow, hopefully. And you realize, oh my God, you know what? I have no earth in my chart. I'm not taking care of money. I have no cleanliness. I'm really disorganized with my taxes. This is not working. And suddenly you go take a class on business and you change it all. And yes, you change. Smart. That's called wisdom or growth or evolution. And that's the name of the game. So ideally, you're going to go through all of them. And yes, you'll see your propensity when you study your chart. What's strongest will be obvious. It's the easiest one to go to. And in your case, that would be fire and air. Both of them are comfortable. But as the years go on, you realize, uh oh, I left out water and there are side effects to that. So growing and miss- the missing element is the name of the game.
0: Yeah. Well, and with water, like as you were describing it a little bit more, I guess the one thing with water is I'm not that person that can cry super easily. And I don't know, you know, there's lots of work to be done there, but also, and I'm sure you can appreciate this too, is being a psychologist, you know, when you're sitting across from so many people that are having really deep emotions, it kind of reminds me of like the combat that, you know, it's like you go in, you do your job. And if I were to be crying with every single client and taking in every single emotion, um, you know, I'd be a mess. I wouldn't be able to do my job. And I, and I find sometimes that that has been a little bit of a detriment for me because it takes a lot of work for me to get back into my emotional self when I'm kind of, you know, trying to work and hold space for others. Um, But I do like the alone time. I do meditate a lot. um, And I do need those periods of, okay, everybody just leave. Um, (laughs) But, but more of that emotional aspect, like when I think of some friends who would be more of a water sign, they are just like, they could cry at the you know, the drop of a hat and, you know, over emotional at times, I'm like, wow, that's just so liberating to see that you can just like, turn that on immediately. For me, it takes a lot of work to be able to get into that um, space and to be so open and vulnerable and forward with it. It's
1: so interesting. I love that analogy. So I'm like you, fire and air, and it's taken me many years to learn water, to learn to meditate, for example, I've now become, you know, now I long for it, or to learn to cry. So yes, these are all learnable skills. That's why the free will button is real. Because you get clear about what the hard facts are that you came in with. But then you can, you you know, this is why we're on podcasts. We want to grow. Raise your hand if you're interested in growing. Everybody listens to this. You couldn't be on a podcast without having an appetite to learn something new. And that's the sign of evolution. And that's all that's required in every lifetime. That you grow. And you make mistakes. You're supposed to make mistakes. I'm doing a class today on the cri- how crisis, every time you're in a difficult time of your life where things go off, that's exactly when this growth, you know, it's, it's kind of like a little pill gets put into your drink in the morning. Crisis is here. And with that comes this glass called change. And you're, if you're going to drink change, you're going to be real uncomfortable if you drink this stuff. So if you don't drink change and you don't get the crisis and you don't grow and you don't see that you're missing your emotional body, as you just described, you can't, you don't care about being sensitive, you won't grow. And in a lifetime, I, I suspect, I can't be sure, that the reason why we're here is, is to evolve the species. That's certainly what my teachers have taught me. That every time this, this society evolves, we, we hope and pray that we're growing into kindness and more awakeness, which is questionable right now because look at our behavior.
0: Right. Yeah, you either evolve or de-evolve, right? That's what one of my teachers has told me. <laughs> yes, so you break up this book, um, quite nicely. Um, you go through each element. Um, you talk about, um, the different steps of each element, the characteristics, uh, you have great keywords, strengths of each element and the shadow of each element. And the shadow side would be, um, maybe what the deficits are or what water needs or water, fire, air, earth, what they need to balance. The deficits are, I'd
1: say that the, shadow has to do with the part of you that you can't see just think shadow so in every element let's say for example your air which you are <laughs> and um and your shadow is that you talk so much that you cut off and you have so many people in your world that you don't really commit to one thing you have multiplicity of things going on and there's a little bit of a shallowness as far as thoroughness or intensity and therefore your quality control has been limited from your soul's point of view, you're having fun doing air and talking, but the deep work is being neglected, which is your shadow, more of the emotional work or more of the, you know, unhar- disharmonious relationships or the shallow commitment. So you have to go face your shadow. You got to say, you know, now that I realize it, said the air person, I just move from thing to thing, but I don't really get fully developed. I'm not really giving it my all. I just play around. That would be honest disclosure of your shadow. And then you get back to the free will zone. Now, am I going to go change that behavior or do I like it? Cause it's okay to like it too.
0: Okay. So that, that helps a little bit. So when you, when you recognize what the shadow aspects are, then obviously the goal is to try to strengthen that. Now let's say, um, you know, with that example that you gave with air that you're not really committing, but having fun, does air then need a different element to come in to balance the shadow or air? can balance it itself
1: no, no no air needs another element so so let's say you realize that you're let's use your example that you're emotionally not that capable of feeling and the side effect of that is that your intimacy is limited you're intimate but you can't really get that feeling of loneliness to go away typical air people live with a little bit of loneliness because they're so good at being social but they're not really in touch at a deeper level that's satisfying so therefore they can walk away from things they can detach they can you know feel cut off at times they're in their heads they ask me but they can't make decisions that's another symptom of shallow air hard to be decisive hard to make a real commitment so then you have to go over to earth to get your medicine because air won't give it to you you got to say you know what i'm going to like i just worked with this client he had a bad case of earth he didn't really know how to commit to solid things he was stuck in air he talked he was so charming but his job and his finances were a mess. And I said, listen, you're going to hate me, but you're going to have to go over to earth to go get yourself healed, which means you're going to have to go ask your job for a raise and start to perform higher and make that your value over your writing and socializing and people and you know your coffee and your loving to drink. That's going to have to go away for a little bit. And he was like, oh, no. I was like, OK, good. Well, you just made your decision. That's the free will zone. If you're not going to change a behavior and introduce the variable that's going to not be comfortable and actually address your shadow, we aren't going to get growth. And that's what the hardest part about this society is we love comfort so much. And then the flip side of that, the shadow is we love discomfort. We love to be superficial or we love to be indulgent or we love to be escape artists. And it's so funny when you get to see people's shadow and you offer
0: them the medicine to fix it, but they don't want it because it's so much work. <laughs> so when you're talking about the elements that balance each other, is it always air and earth balance each other and water and fire balance each other?
1: It just depends on um, the personality. It's not that simple. It isn't as simple as saying, if you're ma- missing water, you're gonna go over to fire. It could be a mixture and it's not as simple as black and white. The short answer is in my book, you take the test. And you just you establish your missing element, because there'll be one that will score a little lower. And then you go follow that element, and you develop it, and you grow it, and you'll watch yourself. It's so fun. Then people, like, they lose weight, or they fall in love, or they get a new job because they didn't have their missing elements. For example, fire, to get excited and be blunt and tell the truth. Or they didn't have their quiet, their internal world.
0: Now, can you also clarify for me too a little bit of my own confusion of how people may identify with being, say, myself, a fire sign with an Aries with the Leo um, rising. How is it that I can also be air, or or is this a totally different type of approach? Because it seems like astrology is one thing, and there's elements kind of assigned to each um, to each astrology. What's what's the term that I'm looking for?
1: <laughs> um, each to each sign. sign to you're each com- sign. Yeah, you're complicating it again. They're they're very, very close. The elements and the signs are the best of friends. They can't live without each other. It's like peanut butter to jelly. And the the answer to your question is you have to have all four. Make it really simple. There's four wheels in a car. If okay. one is down, the car doesn't drive. You must have all four balance. And that a really healthy person is comfortable in any one of those four doors. They can go be quiet. They can feel their feelings. They're very honest emotionally. And silence is one of their friends. They can talk. They can communicate. They can ask questions. They have a great mind. They follow the rules. They know how to stay true to what's responsibility. And they take care of stuff. And they're really on time and responsible. And they know how to have fun and have the joy factor and the party animal and the and what they do. So, so in the healthy form, it's simply, no matter what your chart is, is all four elements are in balance.
0: Great. And my other question to you too, because I'm kind of approaching this, uh, stage in my life with you know being a clinical therapist you know being licensed uh you know there's so many parameters that you have to work within that field and then there's also I have a very holistic spiritual practice and I I've always wanted to learn more about astrology I might even work with you and uh, take your training because I do see the connection in in working in you know the mental health field with clients but how are you able to separate the two um to just kind of go into astrology without with having the master's degree in clinical psychology and being in private practice, but also being more of who you are and working more in the astrological field rather than uh, getting caught up in the whole clinical part of it.
1: But, you know, Carl Jung, every session he did, he had a chart in front of him. That's true of me too. I right. never, ever, I'll never, I can't even, it's like a shortcut. Like as soon as I know your chart, when I'm doing therapy with someone, as you know, you collect their story. And they tell you their story, and their stories are always so, from my point of view, so slanted on the negative. I did this wrong, and I did this wrong, and I'm so this, and I'm so this. And I'm like, excuse me, but you're arguing with fate. Let me describe your chart to you first. Let's start. That's how I got into this. And then after I describe your chart, and I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to describe your personality type. Then you're going to tell me your problem again, because I think you're misinterpreting who you are with a judgment So my whole job as an astrologer is to give compassion. Like, it's okay if you're scattered and you have so much air and you think all the time. You don't have to introduce Earth. I just want you to, first of all, come to peace with what you are. You don't have to change. That's really the sign of an evolved. You know, some beings come in this lifetime and they, like you, they're so excited. They want to learn so much. Some beings, that's not their job. They just did that in their last life. They want to break. They're coming in to sleep. They like television. They're coming in to sit outside and be a farmer and get their hand. They didn't want to talk. And there's no wrong or right. It's just more about I want to understand your appetite. I want to I want to use this chart to give you the potential, because that's what the chart is. And then I want to check in with you and hear, so how is that for you? Like, tell me. And boy, it's so honorable to give somebody permission to be them on their terms. I worked for seven years with chronic mental patients. And I watched in back wards of hospitals how many therapists were trying to change these clients into being quote-unquote normal, which got them nowhere. But I would go in the backwards of the hospitals and work with these patients and just meet them where they lived. And they would open up like flowers. They never wanted me to leave. They, they honestly, some did heal, most didn't. But it wasn't my goal to change them. It was to touch their heart. And that's what astrology does. It's a very quick way into the door of compassion and connection.
0: Well, the other thing that it sounds like, you know, working with the charts with with your clients and also, I guess, separating out part of that karmic plan that you talked about and having them realize that, you know, some of the stuff that shows up in life is part of the assignments, part of the plans, part of the evolution of the soul. And then, like you said, giving them that hope and be able to work with it, but also realizing that this is part of it. Like, it's okay that this stuff happened. It's okay that you went through this stuff in childhood kind of explains that this is part of the karmic wheel of you coming into this lifetime yes so the karmic
1: wheel coming into this lifetime every being based on the chart if you believe in astrology, you don't have to believe in astrology. i tell everybody don't believe in this stuff it's so weird go get a reading done by one of my certified astrologers who are trained to talk english and at the end of the reading from a psychological angle they're going to give you a takeaway And you're going to feel really inspired or not to follow through and your life will change. It's so simple. Now, the karmic wheel. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) this is the funniest movie. You don't get off this karmic wheel. Once you come incarnating into a lifetime, it's with the Bodhisattva vow. I don't know if you know that term. Do you know that term? No, I don't. So it's a Buddhist, any classical Tibetan, if you go to the highest mountains in the world, which is Tibet, You find the oldest religion, one of the oldest religions, which is Buddhism. And in Buddhism, there's one agreement called the Bodhisattva vow. And the Bodhisattva vow, you take it in one lifetime, which I'm sure I did, which was goofy, but too late now. And you agree that you will continue to reincarnate. This is with anybody that's Tibetan. I will reincarnate until all people come to a peaceful state. Oh, really? Well, that's a long movie. So that means you're going to reincarnate and reincarnate and reincarnate with the hopeful desire that you will evolve your species by the Tibetans meditating and praying to to eradicate evil. That is their prayer. I don't know if you knew that. So so there's Tibetans that live on mountains, that spend their lifetime. this This is the mastery of water. They meditate with the hopes to change the collective unconscious into a state of peace. And their agreement is to do that until we all catch up. Now that's a karmic agreement. Oh my God, when I say it, it makes me nervous. Like what was I thinking? <laughs> I was probably like totally captured by some great Rinpoche who I was madly in love with and signed up for the whole meal deal. Then I reincarnated the next life and I was like, but I'm look at me, I'm Jewish this lifetime. How did I get bound to that agreement? Well, that's the agreement. Anyway, the point is there are these karmic agreements and you don't remember them. We we we're so amnesia. We we wake into the next lifetime with total amnesia of what happened in your last one. So for those of you that are listening who wonder about past lives, or you wonder if you've got karmic agreements, or you wonder about what you—yes, they're real. It's just that we our minds are so cute and little. We're like, you remember what your agreement? I don't remember my agreement. Like when I learned astrology, it all came back in in a three day period. I remembered the whole. I did never ever have a teacher. And the whole well, I recapitulated. I remembered, and then I had this memory. I've had you know a couple past life memories where I'm like, oh God, why do I have to remember this? Now I'm weird. Now, (laughs) now I stand apart. Now everybody's listening to me. Now they all think I'm special. I don't feel special. I feel like I've got a long soul that's very tall and old. (laughs) That's my first time saying that. I've got a long, tired, old soul walking around here, still here, going, hey, you guys, do you have faith? Do you believe in magic? Because it's just a thought. All the karma that shows up in your life is so distracting. Whew.
0: Now, how I'd like to talk a little bit more about how you train people and um, how people can become certified astrologers. Um, your website's Astrology.com. You have some great stuff on here. Um, so, how does one become a certified astrologist? Okay. So the point I want to
1: make a bridge from my question to yours. Sure. Everyone listening to this has an evolutionary soul. You can't incarnate into a body without having a soul. Whether you believe it or not mentally, there's a good argument you can make. I can't see my soul. I don't know what a soul is. What is a soul? We could go off into air, but let's just be simple. You're breathing, better known as you're being breathed. Your soul's being breathed. So the question then is, what can you do with a lifetime? Well, if you're interested in helping people and you've been always fascinated with astrology, If you're one of those souls that has really designed, like you, who really wants to help people, astrology is a very short, quick, simple way to give somebody permission to fall in love, because that's the goal here. So to be certified, you come into level one. The first course that I designed, with the help of spirit, because I don't even know how I did it, was just about you. The first class, level one, is a six-week class. It's an hour and a half once a week. Your chart comes on the screen. There's only 10 people in the room. I've made it very intimate. And you study your chart. So level one is a standalone class. It's just about you learning about you. And essentially, you're going to learn your life lesson and your elemental constitution and where your mind gets fixated and your shadow. Those are the topics. The second class, another six-week class, an hour and a half once a week. Now you've got, same thing, 10 people. In there. Now you've got language of astrology. You can speak, hi, how are you? What's your name? You've learned the beginning language of astrology. So now we're going to talk. And now you're going to learn how to do a reading. What do you look for? What are the steps? I break it down into very simple, concrete steps. So the second class is really the application for any therapist like yourself. And then the third class is an in-person class with me with, again, a group of 10 women. I've discovered 10 to 12 is the best number for a room. And in this class, you do a reading in front of me and I sit next to you and I bring you a client And then if you can do it, which typically you can because you've been prepared, that's when suddenly you are given permission to be your authentic self as a reader, and then we start sending you clients. Once you get certified, it takes about a year to get certified. You keep practicing, you keep practicing, you keep practicing. You get certified, you get on my website, we send you clients. And the next
0: thing you know, you've got an astrology practice. Wow. Cool. Cool. And your teachings are all, are they through, they're all online classes, correct? All online. So there's six weeks, the first one, six weeks, the second one, and the third one
1: is three days. And literally, at the end of that, what could be, if the shortest is three months, the longest could be a year. And you don't have to take it back to back. Some people, one of my best friends, she just took level one and she stewed and she got it. She did level two and she stewed and she came to level three and she was so prepared. Others, one of our best teachers Knew nothing. She was one of those fast tracks. She's all fire. She did all three classes within three months. Got certified within three months, and she's one of our best astrologers because she just remembered it. She
0: was kind of like me. Hmm. Awesome. I might be one of your students. <laughs> I would love that. And you also have um, a YouTube channel as well that people can tune in and um, you know see you talking, and you have some good stuff out there too. Yeah.
1: I've got a whole range of doorways that I give away a lot of free material. And if you're, if you don't have the money, cause the course is a thousand dollars level one. If you don't have the money, there's a $22 a month. It's called the star community. Do you know about that? No, I haven't heard of that. So you just go to the star com, and you'll see that every month I put out a video on the new moon, the full moon, the Mercury retrogrades, that that, a deep dive into that sign every month if you just did 22 dollars a month for a year you'd learn all 12 signs and then you'd get really equipped to be able to um start studying so that's the short fast way any moment you can go to the star community and sign up and learn all about astrology so that's what we did as a membership platform
0: great Cool. Well, Deborah, thank you so much. I really had a pleasure interviewing you um, on the podcast. I love the elements. Uh, I love working with them. And it just really encourages me to, you know, when I'm looking at this, just take a look at a way that I can bring them all into more balance. And, you know, I find the work of astrology just fascinating, like I said, and I've always felt that it's somewhere in my future and now might be the time. Um, So I think that it's great that you offer all these classes um, and trainings. Love the work that you're doing. Thank you. I sure hope we get to teach you because I can tell you're a thinker. Yes, <laughs> I am a thinker, a mover, a shaker. Want to do it all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love astrology. I'm fascinated by it. So this was this was awesome. I love the book. Um, and again, for our listeners, it's called The Missing Element: Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition. So thanks so much, Deborah. It was a pleasure.
1: You're my new Favorite interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time!